Section fourteen of the Heptameron of the Tales of Margaret, Queen of Navarre, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Heptameron of the Tales of Margaret, Queen of Navarre, Volume two, by Margaret of Navarre translated by george saintsbury tale sixteen in the days of the grand master of chaumont there lived a lady who was reckoned one of the most honourable women that were at the time in the city of milan she had married an italian count and being left a widow lived in the house of her brothers-in-law refusing to hear speak of another marriage and so discreetly and piously did she demean herself that there was none in the duchy whether french or italian but held her in high esteem one day when her brothers and sisters-in-law offered an entertainment to the grand master of chaumont this widow lady was obliged to be present though she made it her rule not to attend such gatherings when held in other places and when the frenchmen saw her they were all admiration for her beauty and grace especially one among them whose name i shall not mention for it will suffice to you to know that there was no frenchman in italy more worthy of love than he for he was endowed with all the beauties and graces that a gentleman could have and though he saw that the lady wore black crape and remained with several old women in a corner apart from the young ones yet having never known what it was to fear either man or woman he set himself to converse with her taking off his mask and leaving the dance in order to remain in her company throughout the whole of the evening he did not cease talking to her and to the old women and found more pleasure in doing so than if he had been with the most youthful and bravely attired ladies of the court so much indeed was this the case that when the hour came to withdraw he seemed to have not yet had time even to sit down and although he only spoke to the lady on such common matters as were suited to such company she knew very well that he desired to win her favour and this she resolved to guard against by all means in her power so that he was never afterwards able to see her at any banquet or assembly he inquired about the manner of her life and found that she often went to churches and convents whereupon he kept such good watch that she could never visit them so secretly but he was there before her and he would remain in the church as long as he had the happiness to see her and all the time that she was present would gaze at her so affectionately that she could not remain in ignorance of the love he bore her in order to avoid him she resolved to feign illness for a time and to hear mass in her own house and at this the gentleman was most sorely grieved for he had no other means of seeing her than at church thinking that she had cured him of his habit she at last returned to the churches as before but love quickly brought tidings of this to the french gentleman who then renewed his habits of devotion he feared however that she might again throw some hindrance in his way and that he might not have time to tell her what he would and so one morning when she thought herself well concealed in a chapel he placed himself at the end of the altar at which she was hearing mass 
and seeing that she was but scantily attended he turned towards her just as the priest was elevating the host and in a soft and loving voice said to her may i be sent to perdition madam by him whom the priest has now in his hands if you are not causing my death though you take from me all means of speaking with you you cannot be ignorant of my desire my wearied eyes and my deathly face must make the truth apparent to you the lady pretended not to understand him and replied god's name should not thus be taken in vain but the poets say that the gods laugh at the oaths and lies of lovers and so women who regard their honor should not show themselves credulous or compassionate with these words she rose up and returned home the gentleman's anger at these words may well be imagined by such as have experienced the like fortune but having no lack of spirit he held it better to have received this unfavorable reply than to have failed in declaring his love to which he had held fast during three years losing neither time nor opportunity in wooing her by letters and in other ways for three years however she vouchsafed him no reply but shunned him as the wolf shuns the hound that is to take him and this she did through fear of her honor and fair fame and not because she hated him he perceived this so clearly that he pursued her more eagerly than ever and at last after many refusals troubles tortures and despairs the lady took pity upon him for the greatness and steadfastness of his love and so granted him what he had so greatly desired and so long awaited when they had agreed concerning the means to be employed the french gentleman failed not to repair to her house although in doing so he placed his life in great danger seeing that she and her relations lived all together however being as skilful as he was handsome he contrived the matter so prudently that he was able to enter the lady's room at the hour which she had appointed and found her there all alone lying in a beautiful bed but as he was hastening to put off his clothes in order to join her he heard a great whispering at the door and a noise of swords scraping against the wall then the widow said to him with the face of one nigh to death now is your life and my honor in as great danger as well can be for i hear my brothers outside seeking you to slay you i pray you therefore hide yourself under this bed and when they fail to find you i shall have reason to be angry with them for alarming me without just cause the gentleman who had never yet known fear replied and what pray are your brothers that they should frighten a man of metal if the whole breed of them were there together i am sure they would not tarry for the fourth thrust of my sword do you therefore rest quietly in bed and leave the guarding of this door to me then he wrapped his cloak about his arm took his drawn sword in his hand and opened the door so that he might have a closer view of the swords that he had heard when the door was opened he saw two serving women who holding a sword in each hand had raised this alarm sir they said to him forgive us we were commanded by our mistress to act in this manner but you shall be hindered by us no more seeing that they were women the gentlemen could do no more than bid them go to the devil and shut the door in their faces 
then he got into bed to the lady with all imaginable speed his passion for her being in no wise diminished by fear and forgetting to inquire the reason of this skirmish he thought only of satisfying his desire but when daybreak was drawing nigh he begged his mistress to tell him why she had treated him so ill both in making him wait so long and in having played this last trick upon him my intention she answered laughing had been never to love again and i had observed it from the time i became a widow but after you had spoken to me at the entertainment your worth led me to change my resolve and to love you as much as you love me it is true that honour which had ever guided me would not suffer me to be led by love to do aught to the disparagement of my reputation but as the poor hind when wounded unto death thinks by change of place to change the pain it carries with it so did i go from church to church thinking to flee from him whom i carried in my heart and the proof of whose perfect devotion has reconciled honour and love however that i might be the more certain that i was giving my heart and love to a true man i desired to make this last proof by means of my serving women and i vow to you that had i found you so timorous as to hide beneath my bed either for fear of your life or for any other reason i was resolved to rise and go into another room and never see you more but since i have found that you are possessed of more beauty and grace and virtue and valour than rumour had given you and that fear has no power over your heart nor can cool one whit the love you bear me i am resolved to cleave to you for the remainder of my days i feel sure that i could not place life and honour in better hands than those of one whom i deem unmatched in every virtue and just as though the human will could be unchangeable they vowed and promised what was not in their power namely perpetual affection for this is a thing that can neither spring up nor abide in the heart of man as only those ladies who have had experience of how long such feelings last so ladies if you are wise you will beware of us even as the stag had he understanding would beware of the hunter for our glory happiness and delight is to see you captured in order to rob you from that which is more precious to you than life why gabriel said Eocan, since when have you turned preacher i can remember a time when you did not talk after that fashion it is quite true said gabriel that i have just spoken contrary to what i have always said my life long but since my teeth are no longer able to chew venison i warn the hapless deer to beware of the hunters in order that i may atone in my old age for all the mischief which i sought to do in my youth we thank you gabriel said nomophide for warning us to our profit but for all that we do not feel very greatly beholden to you you never spoke in that way to one you truly loved and this is a proof that you have little love for us and moreover would not have us loved nevertheless we hold ourselves as discreet and as virtuous as the ladies whom you so long pursued in your youth but old folk are commonly vain enough to think that they have been wiser in their time than those who come after them well nomophide said gabriel 
will you believe that i have told you the truth when the faithlessness of one of your lovers has made you acquainted with the evil nature of men it seems to me said oisille to Geburon, that the gentleman whom you praise so highly for his boldness ought rather to be praised for the ardour of his love so strong is his passion that it impels the most cowardly to embark on enterprises about which the bravest would think twice if madam said saffredon he had not deemed the italians to be better at talking than acting methinks he had reason to be afraid yes said oisille if he had not had in his heart the fire that consumes fear since you do not deem the boldness of this gentleman altogether worthy of praise said hircan you doubtless know of someone else more deserving of commendation nay said oisille the gentleman in the story deserves praise but i do know of one who is more worthy of being admired i pray you madam said Gabriel, if that be so take my place and tell us the tale if began oisille a man who showed such boldness against the milanese to save his own life and his mistress's honour is to be esteemed so very brave what shall be said of one who without any need for it and from pure and simple valour performed the deed of which i will now tell you End of section fourteen